Hey there, fellow truth seekers. It's Jamie Grogan, founder of Solutions for Solopreneurs, an organization dedicated to the healers of the world. We remove the tech overwhelm and the confusion that comes with it. This podcast serves those who need a soft place to fall, a comforting and accepting space to explore the spiritual world. So settle in and listen as our guests share their struggles, challenges, and triumphs on their way to entrepreneurship. We are playing live on all channels. Woohoo! I really do wish there was a way for us to do this on Instagram too. We'll have to look into that. We will. Yeah. I think that once we learn how to do it, we should then maybe offer a webinar or something, some small talk during our conversations about how to do it. Right. I think that'll be uh, really good for people too. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So I'm going to try to go find it on Facebook so that I can watch the comments while we're waiting for Miss Caroline. So, you know, the other thing that's really fantastic about StreamYard, too, is that you get to see the comments on the side. Now, I don't know if you've ever used BeLive. I really like BeLive, too. Yeah, I have. I have used it before. And that way you get to see the comments and you can put them up and just like StreamYard. That way you're not having to do double duty I'm going to look at another place, right? Because here right. you can only see whatever people chat, but they have to be on the Zoom with you to do it. So it's not as, you know. Well, the, the StreamYard, you can do that. Right. Yeah. All right. So. But they have to be on the Zoom with you to do it. So it's not as, you know. Well, the, the StreamYard. Oops. Is it live or is it Memorex? Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> do you remember that commercial? I do. I was just mentioning that to somebody else the other day. Is it live, live or is it Memorex? Memorex? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. So we're going to give Caroline a few minutes um, while we're waiting for our partner in crime. Um, we can talk a little bit about the interview last week with Dr. Shanita Williams. I'd love to hear your... That was fantastic. I really like her. I like her spirit. I like just the way she operates, the way she thinks. I like everything that she's about. I just, I liked it. I liked it. And um, I, she's a person who I think I could be like, I could hang out with her. You know, I think it's really, really cool. Um, yeah. She's amazing. And um, some, a lot of the same similar opinions. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. Hold on. Miss Caroline's asking for the Zoom link. Um, so while you're doing that, let's, let's ask, let me ask you a question. What was your biggest takeaway from her from last week's podcast? Oh, um, I guess for me, it would probably be the fact that um, 
I had no idea that she was as interested in getting to know me as I was her. That's cool. I had no idea. Um, and and it's a, it's a really a testament to where I am in my journey, um, of self-development and, you know, realization and all of that stuff. It's a real testament for her to say that I inspire her now. Um, and it reminds me of the Simon Sinek quote. And he says, everybody comes to me and says, will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? And he said, only if, if you will mentor me. Right. Because it should be a two-way street. Right. And I never thought that I would ever get to that point where one of my mentors was then learning from me. Who am I? You know what I mean? Well, I, I, see, that, that's where I think that people have something to offer no matter where they are in their journey. And that's exactly what Simon I mean, Sinek is saying. I, you know, you could be some of the greatest of whatever, but there's a lot of other things that you have yet to learn. It's like the planet um, is so huge. There's no way you can know everything or seen everything or do everything or been everywhere. But there's a lot of places that people can show you and teach you no matter what. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, being open to it, I think, is what shows people um, your character, you know, because if you're at a place in your I mean, she was she was my let me get this right. She was my manager's 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 boss. Right. So she was, you know, as far as totem poles go, <laughs> you know, as far as totem poles go, she should not have even known my name. <laughs> um, well, I think that's a testament to her. her that's what I'm saying. Her to style. Her because what I did notice was, um, I thought I was really excited to, to hear more about it and get the book. And she said that she was excited to talk to us because she had looked into us. So I thought that shows you who she is. Like, you can tell she would definitely be one of those kind of people who, no matter how high up on the totem pole in the organizational structure you are, she'd still want to know who you are. Right. You know? It's just the kind of person that she represents to me. 100%. And I tell you what, when she said it was, I was like beyond excited when she said she saw me that first day too. Cause I literally, I was like, you know, fangirling right. for real, you know, for real, like fangirling when she yeah, walked no, in. I like it. I like it. You know? Like and it. so then for her to say, yeah, she saw me too. I was like, oh, you know, it reminds me of a story of somebody that I met and I had asked them, well, will you mentor me? Would you mentor me? Would you mentor me? You know? And I got to the point where I really didn't want any mentors. Just, I, it, it's so hard to find people who are like-minded moving forward and just get you it's hard and so yes. um and she's like oh no i don't have time for mentoring anybody and i was thinking to myself that's funny only to come to find out about a year later she came asking me for my help and advice and i was thinking you could have got it all for free then now i'm charging you no right right, <laughs> right? um it, it's just amazing it's amazing how you know people will be where they are and don't realize you know and that's it's why I said it just, circle. right, it's a testament to her character. It is. Um, 
Because I can understand you saying, I, I, like, there are times when people will say to me, can you mentor me or whatever? And I would be like, you know, when you don't have the bandwidth to give it a thousand percent, then you don't want to take it in, you know, right. you don't want to take it on, but sometimes you do what you got to do. Right. So, we were just going over nice. our, um, our, I don't know. I like your hair, it's really cute. My hair. <laughs> yeah, you like, I don't know what you did with it. It's really pretty. Thank like, you. It's just or something like. All natural. This is like fresh out of the shower. Don't even brush it. But <laughs> I was, I was like, that's that um, New Mexico glow. Is that what? Yeah. It is? Oh, yeah. That part. That trip, I loved it for everything that it was. But I will tell you, there were some moments in that trip that I was just like. Okay, so like, when do we when we, do we go home? When is the go home time? Like <laughs> definitely a couple times, but I did enjoy it. It was good. It was it was good. That's awesome. Well, that's so, good because that's the whole point, right? Why take a trip and you don't enjoy it? That's yeah, it, it was an adventure for sure. Solo trip out on the road. Uh, we stayed in this. Uh, it's like a yurt, oh, but it's we pretty saw much. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you see the, yeah. Did you see the windstorm and all of that? I was like, go back and look. Yeah. There was a, it, it wasn't, like, you would think it wasn't that windy. It was 30 miles per hour. But up on top of this mountain, it was shaking the whole yurt. It had, um, one side of the yurt was all, like, see-through, like, you could see through to outside. And it had a big kind of outdoor tarp on the outside to kind of block but in this wind, it's pitch black out there. That thing's flapping against the whole building. I was like, <laughs> even my dog was looking at me like, why the hell did you bring me here? He's like, lady, I want to go home. Like, I could just tell. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So we were just talking about um, Dr. Shanita Williams' interview and what we, what was our best um, kind of takeaway from it. Um, and I said that really it was just the realization that you never know who's watching you and your yeah. effect on, on them, you know, and the fact mm -hmm. that she saw me the same day that I saw her when I thought I was just another face in the sea of faces, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway. Um, and the fact that she, you know, told me that, that I inspire her. That's just, you know, for your mentor to say that um, about you was just the best. It was, I was on cloud nine for the rest of the week. So yeah. So what was your, what was your biggest takeaway? So first off, just her entire energy. I mean, just who she is. I felt so much from her personally that I have to say that that was probably my biggest takeaway is like, holy cow, she's amazing. Yeah. Like whatever she sets her heart, her mind on, she's going to be successful. She has that it factor. She has that fire, that everything. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, every time that she would go to speak, I was like, okay, what is yes. she going to say? Like every single thing that she said was gold. Um, and I love people like that because just them being themselves is inspiring. Right, yeah, just right, being yeah. around someone that has that fire is inspiring. Um, but more so talking about feedback, I think it's something that we all want to resist. 
right? We're like, yeah, I don't know if I really, I don't need that, right? Like there's that resistance there with feedback, but I love how she phrased it and simplified it and also empowered us to decipher our feedback and to discern what feedback we want to internalize and which ones we don't. Um, it just put a different spin on it. So yeah, she is, where did you guys meet, Jamie? She's amazing. <laughs> um, so hold on one sec. I'm just trying yeah. to make sure I can see the, the comment. Hey, Angela. Someone joined us named Angela Gardner. She was saying that she is her boss's 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 boss. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. She was like, I'm going to say four levels above me because she was VP yeah. of training. Um, yeah. And, and she was new. Um, it was a new position that they created just for her. Um, so and cool. so she came in, you know, and I, I'll just, I'll just never forget the first day that she walked in and I was on the admissions floor yeah. and I literally was like, <laughs> I was like yes. okay, she's wearing all white hairs, just slamming yeah. makeup. Perfect. Yeah, she was just walking cool. around, you know, like I was like, literally. And I'm yeah. 40, I'm 40 something years old and I was fangirling big time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that says something about you too, though, right? Because if you, if it, if at your age, you could still find inspiration in people says a lot too. But I think Absolutely. what also is a testament to her and what we should inspire to be more like is women who are like her, who come in and for all that we have worked hard to gain, doesn't mean that we need to knock anyone else down. Like no one has to be bowling pins in order for you to achieve the levels of success that you want. You could have success and still have people be fangirls. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I remember sending her an email and, and, and like, cause I was going to, I was asking her if I could have a few minutes of her time to talk about um, positivity and how to keep, you know, mm -hmm. professional in the environment and everything. And I remember typing that email and looking at that send button going, I, I can't send her this. I can't, who am I? She's probably gonna look at look me up and be like, who? Instead, she probably replied, right? With a long email back. Right, well, I didn't actually send it for like three days. Right. I didn't send it for like three days. And then I was like um, catching her everywhere. I, you know, I would see her and I'd like run real fast up behind her and be like, <laughs> I the elevator and be like, well, I know she's got to go to lunch at some point, and I would just mill around. The, I, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. That's how drawn to her I was because I was. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, Total but, girl crush. Yeah, she, yeah, she totally. Then she was like, "Oh yeah, we could meet." I sent her that email. She came down and talked to me, and I was like. But see, that's really, that, that is a, which again, is a testament, not just to her, but also more managers should recognize those traits, right? Not only did she come and not only did she respond, but she came to respond personally to show you, you know, it's, a, that takes open door policy to all new levels. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I've been, I've been. I journaled so much about it too. I journaled so much because I was like, I just, uh, you know, she, uh, anyways. Um, I like it. I so like tonight, it. 
we get to have a really good conversation about legalizing <laughs> drugs. Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> so first, um, with no explanation, I just want to hear a yes or a no. Oh, come on. Yeah, no explanation. <laughs> okay. Yes or no. No maybe, no this, but not that, none of yeah. that. Yes okay. or no to legalizing all drugs. Okay. 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 So I'm a, Caroline, you go first. So wait, no, wait, 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 say the whole question again. Was legalizing? Do you agree with legalizing all drugs? Man-made nature made whatever do you agree caroline my initial answer is no okay no i don't agree nope okay sharice yes yes <laughs> I feel like that's so no, surprising no. i feel like you should have been the other way <laughs> it should have been caroline what are you doing <laughs> oh, for sure you were gonna be but i think i think that we'll probably end up in the same place even though our initial answers sounded like they're different because probably you know, uh, so who, who who goes first on to Caroline? Go first. Why? Why no? No, no, no. Let's do. Jamie, what you? about you? Yeah. Oh, me. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think we should do a yes, no, and then a yes. So Sharice, you go first. Okay. Just you know, five minutes. Talk about why you think. Oh, and then, I don't even need five whole minutes. It just is really mine. Okay, really let me get a timer out right now because you, you don't need what? five two, whole minutes. Two, two and I'm gonna have to mute you at ten. See, the reality is that my answer is yes, because everything's already legalized. I mean, the majority of the drugs that people create to, to um, make, which is, it's legalized, whether or not it is commercialized is a different situation to me. Half the things that we call street drugs are already drugs. They're already some type of form of something that has already been created. It's not a completely artificial man-made something, right? So if we just, if we didn't have illegal and legal, the only things that are legal are the things that the government or some pharmaceutical company pushes to you for a price. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it becomes illegal. So if they're not selling it, it's illegal. If they are selling it, then it's legal. To me, there are just as many legal drugs that are dangerous as there are the ones that are illegal. Mm -hmm. To me, it's part of a, which is probably a different topic that we'll get to later um, at a different podcast about why that system is set up that way to begin with, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some of these things that where people are using, you, you know, you can't make a drug from a drug unless a drug was already in the drug, right? So some of these things that people are using that are considered not, you know, um, every, month we used to have this you know working for cps and stuff child protective services social services that we have all these thousand classes and every this cop would come in with this huge billboard full of all the different drugs and all different names of them like some things have 20 names some things have three names keeping up with all the names and all that stuff and um a lot of that stuff is already legalized in a lot of different places it's just how we categorize them as to how we decide to punish people in order to continue the systems that we have the way we have them, right? The entire correctional facility system is built on free labor. And the only way to do that is to have big businesses be able to criminalize something 
to have that free labor there. So if everything was yes across the board, we wouldn't be jumping borders and having wars. And if you could go get shit like it was an aspirin, you probably wouldn't want it. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different other topic psychologically, mentally, all of you know, all those other things. But to start with something and making it a criminal activity when you're selling it in other places, it just creates an imbalanced system. So mm -hmm. if I say just remove that pay element, right? I, I agree. I agree, actually. And I think that's so funny because I do feel that we probably agree <laughs> pretty spot on. So I, I agree with all drugs being decriminalized, right? I don't think that it should be a crime to be addicted to a drug, right? Um, and even more so with, with things like prescription drugs and, you know, all of that, right? Like you said, I mean, even, even the street drugs have a pharmaceutical equivalent, that's right? right? All of them. Right. So how is it fine when a doctor says it's okay but then you in pharmaceutical settings exactly exactly i mean it's semantics at that point you go to the street to buy it but at one time you were getting it issued to you or pumped into your arm or whatever pill format or whatever legally pharmaceutically you know medically right exactly exactly and so i think all right well, no, it's going to be <laughs> No, because I want us all to get it out there and then have a discussion. Okay, okay, okay. Because that way, people that are watching are going to be able to say, um, you know, uh, I like Caroline's point or whatever. But when we're talking over each other, it's hard. It gets crazy, yeah. So, okay, I, I do feel that all drugs should be decriminalized. I don't feel that it should be a crime to be addicted to drugs. However... We can look at, like, let's look at Amsterdam, for example, right? Amsterdam just said, let's legalize everything. And at first, they were wanting to report that they actually saw lower rates of addiction. And, but I've seen a lot of conflicting data about that, actually. And so they've come back and said that they're not really sure if it actually reduced drug use or if it's actually any safer. Um, and, you know, they actually have, like, compounds where you can go and check in and go buy your heroin and then go use within those um corridors coming from addiction myself i don't know if i would have quit if i knew that i had a place to go use to be honest that was like socially acceptable because that kind of makes it acceptable um but i also see this is why it's so conflicting because i do feel that when we think things are taboo and we, we like we're like no absolutely not you cannot do that it's terrible blah 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 then that piques curiosity it's like oh what are they why, why are they saying I can't do that so much? That must be something really exciting. Yep. Right? Like, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that's where I stand, if that made it crystal clear. <laughs> you might not have even started had it not been taboo to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. So, my opinion is that they should legalize absolutely freaking everything, tax the hell out of that shit, and make sure that rich white men are not flying it in, boating it in, training it in, and making a killing. Mm -hmm. That's why it's not legal. Because they're not gonna make as much money <laughs> if, if it's all legal. It's the, le it's the illegal element of it that creates the money for the person bringing it in, right? Like the cartel, 
You think about the cartel knows that a certain percentage of their um, stuff isn't going to get in, right? Mm -hmm. They know that. That's already, they've written it off, they know it, whatever, whatever. They don't care because they have so much coming in that they don't care about the little 5% that gets, that gets caught. But what they also don't care about is the person driving the truck that gets caught and their family. And they don't care about the wars that they're starting on the streets because of their illegal um, drugs. So if you took away all of that criminality of it, because I do think that there's a difference between decriminalizing um, drugs and um, legalizing it. But I want both because yeah. nobody should be in jail right now for the amount of weed that you can go buy legally. Nobody should be in jail right fucking now. When, you, when anybody can walk into a dispensary and get the amount of weed <laughs> that they got convicted of and sent to jail for 46 years. Well, mm -hmm. here's another thing. Stay woke. Because not only that, but currently right now today, you can go Google it. The Trump administration is not only trying to persecute you for what you got caught with, but they're currently trying to change the law so that you are penalized for whatever is the largest amount that was on record. So if you pled what? down, you got caught with, you know, whatever, and you pled down to a lesser number, a lesser amount, no. They want your penalty to be based on the original larger amount. And they want that to be the law. So, so much for hashtag prison reform. Right. What kind of prison reform is that? Yeah. That's the complete opposite of prison reform. Right. So I, don't, I don't even understand how anybody could even be, be uh, asleep on that. But that's another. So Paige, Paige, Paige said in our um, chat, she said, I think Big Pharma shouldn't be allowed to market, period. Yeah. Inform, but not marketing, zero. Because you're right, if it's illegal, it's because they can make money off of it. Right. And here's the thing, too. I think you're right because I have a, a several relatives that are pharmaceutical sales reps. Yes. They make big money. Yeah. Yep. Tom, she can't count the money she can make. And she's well, been like 20 something years. I mean, you're talking about house on the hill, three Porsches in the driveway, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, you know, stacks you know, upon stacks upon uh, stacks. <laughs> right? It's pathetic. And then you, you know, coming from the arena of dealing with social services, watching people, you know, um, going into a hospital and watching somebody just write a prescription for opioids without a blink of a hat, and then tell you, oh no, you can't get any more, but never, nowhere in that plan was a plan to transition you from those things to back to where you needed to be or where you began, right? Mm -hmm. So if I got into a car accident and I hurt myself, and you put me on these heavy medications, what, and then you just cut me off. Okay, you're all done. We weaned you off of while you're at the hospital. But what happens when I leave the hospital? It was never no plan for me to be rehabilitated. You gave me physical therapy for my foot or my ankle or my arm, but you didn't give me rehabilitation for any of those those narcotics that you gave me. And, and there's a reason for that too. But it doesn't mean that the pain is gone either. 
just because they've that said you, that your body's withdrawn or said, I want to stop taking the medications you've been giving me either. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Caroline. Well, it, it's interesting because I, when it comes to big pharma, you know, these doctors know very little about what these medications actually do, Ooh. right? Because, right, they know what big pharma tells them. They know what's in the brochure. They know what's being taught in med school, but they don't actually really know what's going on. And so even, so Purdue is a company that made one of these opiate pills, right? Percocets and, you know, all of that. And so when they first came on the market back in the late 90s, I believe, um, they had these like clinical studies, right, which turned out to be total bullshit. They had these clinical studies where they said opiates are not addictive whatsoever, right? They came out with all of these stats saying that opioid, opioids were not addictive um, when they're actually very directly related to opium and heroin and morphine, right? They're essentially the same thing. Um, and they told the doctors that, and the doctors believed that. And so they started writing prescriptions like crazy because they, they were being fed this misinformation. Um, but I think that we as consumers have to understand how little is actually known and how many kickbacks they're actually getting from these pharmaceutical companies, right? right? If you write right. so many scripts this month, we're giving you a $15,000 bonus and, and they hit that goal every month, right? They want that extra 15 grand. Right. When you turn it into a profit like that, exactly, they're more likely to turn a blind eye to unethical things going on within right. the pharma, And then just right? not just the bonuses, but what about, um, you know, all the, the patient recycling, right? Mm -hmm. You get to come back and come back and come back and come back and, you know, keep you on my books. And also to the, the pricing, I don't understand why we can, how, in, how do we allow, uh, an aspirin that is about not even three cents be almost 30 bucks on a bill at the hospital. Right. Right. And then you, you get mad at people because they, you know, you don't want to give them healthcare or Medi-Cal or Medicare or Medicaid or whatever, but they're paying that $30 for that pill. Right. And that's acceptable. Right. And for that is why, yeah, you better write them scripts because I can charge I'm going to give you a $15,000 bonus, but with all the scripts you wrote, I probably made $2 million. Right. Right, because so, I'm charging so much for those meds. So Paige said, I like the distinction between decriminalization and legalization. One allows help, the other adds to the problem, literally. Then she said, I agree with Jamie, but I'm all about not letting Big Pharma get to produce and sell because they are only a legal That's government. True partnered cartel. Yeah. <laughs> Want to know what I really think. Shots fired. No, that's, she's true. Pharmaceutical companies should be government run organizations. They should not be independent. And it's too late, right? Right, right. Somebody created it. It's a private industry. It's never going to change. But here's the thing. Stay woke because they are now trying to take over the entire medical program. Absolutely. Yeah. Not go to sleep on it because yeah. they will they will be running our medical program, which means only certain individuals will get you'll be selling body parts and um, yeah, selling your body parts. You have healthy body parts. They'll tell you you adopt dyes and take your body parts and sell them. And I know that sounds like it's, we're far fetched and crazy, but it is not. No, no, it not at not. all. So okay. really, we should never allow them to be 
the thing that's that that controls the medication for our Agreed. health system. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Okay, I gotta read this one from Paige. She said, the doc I used to work for would push what was brought in by the prettiest and flirtiest. Mm -hmm. I can't trust that to be best for my children. Mm -hmm. I lost a friend to a perfectly legal drug that has a higher addiction rate than heroin. Take the power away from the companies and give it back to the patient. Yes. Every addict is a patient. Every addict is a I love that. I love I that. I love that because for me, to I it infuriates me that we can put a man on the moon. Mm -hmm. We can put all these, you know, people in space and we're doing expeditions 30,000, you know, miles under the ocean and mm -hmm. we can do all of that, but we can't create a drug that's not addictive to help with pain. Right. For real, addictive. That's part of it, though, right? They want you to come back because right? the, the money is in the treatment, not in the cure. Absolutely, the money and that's what I. I wanted to be a doctor for the longest time, right? I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I wanted to help people. I wanted to get into the medical field, but then I had that huge awakening, and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I would be okay with bringing people in, diagnosing them, medicating them, scheduling their follow up. Right. right. That's the cycle. Right. And then, oh, what do you know? We found something else. Let's put you oh. on this kind of medication. We're going to change the levels. Oh, now you have, have a side effect. Well, we're going to put you on this muscle relaxer to help with that. And what breaks my heart the most, because I've been about natural health and natural medicine my entire life, but what breaks my heart the most is when I see people who are on a cocktail of pills and they have no intention of weaning off or changing lifestyle things or creating a, a healthier way of being to be off of those medications. And time and time again, you see those medications creating more health issues on top of that. Some things too, because part of the part of the possibility to make those changes don't always exist, right? Oh, of course, of course. You don't have fruits and vegetables and herbs for your garden. And I don't mean marijuana, I mean like, you know, thyme and parsley and basil and other things that have natural remedies to you. If they're not accessible to you, trying to eat different or have a different lifestyle is not possible. The I only agree. thing accessible to you is the medications because they come in the mail, okay? Right. Food doesn't come in the mail, right? Mm -hmm. And if right. you live in a far rural, listen, I've been in some rural, I've been to rural, rural communities. I mean, ones that, it was kind of scary. I was like, ain't no lights out here, <laughs> no roads. You're talking about meet me down at the fence where the cow is at the corner. I'm, you know, it's rural and they don't have access to, you know, mm -hmm. to, to other options. But, so then, but, that's, but that's, there. there's all kinds of reasons why they you don't have access to different options but wait my friend trey is on and trey is he was one of my very first podcast guests yeah. and, um and i wish he would join us live to be honest because he's one of those people who's like yeah i used to deal drugs and now i'm clean and now i'm badass and you know and he's kicking butts and taking names in the business world and let me tell you something. I know people who used to be top in the game, but they never use it all. Never. 
They would yeah, tell him. No, I don't know if he did or not, but I'm, I think he did. No, no, I'm just but, saying, I, you know, but it's the whole thing because it was the money. Right. right? Because they he said, own supply. You in know. the comment, in the comment, he said, maybe not legalized distribution and creation of drugs, but, oh, but if someone is addicted, they just need help. Yes. Um, Paige said, my children and I have a chronic condition. We are absolutely who pain meds are for issue. We can't get them at the rate they are needed. That's but if I'm I saying. go outside Texas, current laws, mm -hmm. I'm criminal, criminalized for successfully treating my children without a single narcotic. Wow. Remember when CBD was in the same category where people who had epilepsy and other diseases and all they wanted to do was get the CBD and they need to get the marijuana so they can get the CBD out of it? And it was criminalized for so long. Now, I don't think the THC needed to be. We could have did the whole CBD thing without the THC part of it, but that's probably another podcast. I just think that it's it, if there's an option for something, people Absolutely. should get it and be able to get it in a way that gives them a functional life. Right, right. Because I've seen... I've seen those videos. Have you guys seen those videos where yeah. somebody who, who's having an epileptic seizure yeah. gets some drops put under their tongue and the seizure stops? Or Parkinson's. The Parkinson's. Yeah. Parkinson's. I had a cousin with thyroid condition for all her life. And it just, you know, at them, those days it was just smoke the weed because it helped. It right. wasn't, uh, there was no distinction between CBD and THC. It was just, well, this was well yeah, that's right. when your grandmother next door, or your friend's grandmother next door would say, it helps my sciatica. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so damn good and well, you ain't got no sciatica. That's right. a nerve. I didn't, find, <laughs> I didn't find out until <laughs> I had my right. surgery on my leg that sciatica wasn't actually a disease. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the nerve that runs through your body. Right. It helps my sciatica. What? What? <laughs> or my glaucoma. That was another one. <laughs> Which it does. It actually does. But now I know. Yeah. But if you don't have glaucoma, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> you know, that's know. either way. Either way. Either that's, way. You have the glaucoma or not. I mean, I think we've acted like weed is the enemy for so long, right? Like weed is the gateway drug. You're going to start with a joint and then you're going to move into shooting heroin. And I will tell you, that was never my experience. Um, and I know I can't just blanket for everybody. Sure, some people's story may have gone that way. Um, but truth be told, I mean, alcohol is so much worse. Yeah, but I, so I worked for 10 years on uh, alcohol and drugs on the committee, on the commission here in my county. And I will tell you, here's what I say to every parent. It's, um, you know, I do these big seminars and educate parents. The marijuana today, this ain't your grandma's stuff to help their sciatica. That ain't that stuff. If this was a stuff that I remember, you know, people trying to grow in their closets with the little lamps and stuff, if it was that, that probably would not be the problem. It is so many strains and it is chemically and complex um, spliced. It is, to me, what I call a GMO. It's a genetically modified material today. Yeah. So everybody yeah. go around talking about organics and non-GMO. That shit you smoking is GMO. It is See, so spliced and diced and and. Um, I don't agree with that because. I, no, it's not. It's this is not my opinion. 
It's not my opinion. This is what I'm telling you from the manufacturers of those who produce it. And right. I've been to a hundred farms. I've seen people growing it in their houses. I've seen people growing it in their, their houses that people will buy and convert the entire house to a plant. It is so, when you take it, I've been to the lab where they break it down and they show you what a strain looked like in 1970 and what a strain looks like today. It is genetically modified. The THC is stronger. It is actually technically today an addictive properties are in it. Well, it see, you can't say that though across the board because here in the state next to me in Maine, they've been growing that shit since forever. So what they're growing and what you might be talking about are two totally different. What I'm talking about is the stuff when you go into a cannabis, they they sell that stuff in a cannabis store. Everything in that, and this is just not my opinion. Everything it in has that to be because store, you don't know every single store across every single. No, what I'm saying is that what is so, authorized to be sold in cannabis stores. Yeah. Right. Everything in that cannabis store has been genetically modified. That is not a. So here's the thing. Here's here's mm -hmm. how it works. Right. Let me let me give you an example. I, I'm just not making it up. And, and if anybody would like some of the information, I'll be happy to send them to the websites. You go to county, you can go to um, SAMHSA, and they will show you this, what I'm saying is real. You can go back to corn, okay? The corn we eat today, yep. so genetically modified, it will not grow on its own anymore. You cannot take corn off the cob like you used to, throw it in the ground, and it will grow and sprout out corn. It will not do it anymore because it's so genetically modified. The same thing with that with all these marijuana strains. All those different strains and variations and whatever have been so genetically modified now to the point where the government had to start um, um, what do you call it? An heirloom seed bank in order to be able to find the original strains of certain seeds because they're not they don't they're they're just don't they're not there anymore. Monsanto, just go study Monsanto. You you'll see what I'm talking about. It right, is. I have. I have, but see, and I know for a fact that in Maine, we're talking about thousands of acres. But of, doesn't mean it hasn't been that, that have been that have been farmed specifically for marijuana. So <clears> those <throat> buds, those buds that are that have never seen the inside of a lab and have never, mm -hmm. ever, ever. I'm talking, you know, near Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. those have never been genetically modified. And so I know that for a fact. Well, so in Mississippi, there is a, there is a, I don't know, 50 acres or something. And it's a nondescript building. You would never know it was a building. You, you can't see it from the road. You can only see it from the aerial views. In that place for almost a hundred years, they have been cultivating this marijuana for over a hundred years in this mm -hmm. building in Mississippi. It is a government-run facility to cultivate the marijuana. So I can't believe that, that other, those are things. So when you go all the way back to, and I'm sitting in a room with other educators that are explaining these things to me. So don't ask me to break them down to like those legalese of how it all distributes everywhere, right? I'm just happy to, I'm happy to find the links to take you back to the plants of the marijuana or maybe some of these other educators who that's their whole job is to come in and educate us um, on what exactly it is that we're dealing with today 
right? So these strains have been, I couldn't figure out why, why did it become such a big deal out of nowhere it felt like to make marijuana legal? Why? Why all of a sudden now? Why make marijuana legal? We are fighting with the worst epidemics of addiction that we've ever seen in the country's lifetime. And it's a worldwide problem. Why add one more thing to that? Why make marijuana legal? Because there is big business in it. Look at all the CBD. Look at all the propaganda. Look at how they took it and claimed the THC and all these other elements. Now you got food industry. They uh, This is not um, by happenstance, so they say, right? These are planned out, thought out, big pharma, big business. You know, these, these are long haul games that they play. It is, a, it is not what you think it is. And when you really are sitting in a room with educators and they're breaking this stuff down to you with PowerPoints and slides and, and data and lab work, you, it's, it is not what you think it is. And all mm -hmm. I would say to them is, have you been to yes, the cabins in yes. no Therese, you can't say <laughs> that. You yes. can't say that. You I'm, don't I'm know that. See, this is this you is, were there, you probably could say I see your point. This but, is but you just it's really sounding like my opinion. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're talking over me. And I stop when you start to talk. So I'm gonna keep talking and you can keep talking too. But I want to finish what I'm saying. Because when we when you go up to the hills of Maine, mm -hmm. I guarantee you that some hillbilly is not gonna let some doctor in a lab coat come in and check his marijuana. I guarantee you that that never happened. So whether they say that they've done it is a different story. And just because somebody <laughs> has on a PowerPoint that they have done it doesn't mean that they have. It, 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 what? It's not, you gonna take that word for me? Just because they've been to 48 other states? I've lived here since 1997. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you they are anti-government, the no, government can come up to their door and say, I'll give you a million dollars if you let us test mm -hmm. your, and they would be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. Literally. Right. So I guarantee you that nobody in Maine let a government agency okay. come so in. So maybe not Maine. I'll give you that. Their shit. But what I'm saying, the point that, wait, wait, wait. The point that I'm getting to that is they're the ones that get the give the get the marijuana to the dispensaries because in Maine yes. there are only a certain number of places that you can get your marijuana from. Mm -hmm. Maine has it locked down. You can't mm -hmm. get it from any other state. Has mm -hmm. to come from Maine. It there's levels uh, um, feet that it has to be um, less than, um, and it's it's locked down. And I understand in California in Florida, in big state like that, to where it would G be GMO all day long. I can definitely understand that. But what I'm saying, that state, and I just, I live next to the state. But yeah, and, I'm, and, I, and that's, not my dis that's not my disagreement. I could care less about which state does and which state didn't. My point is that the I general care. population is smoking something that they have been with propaganda to believe it's that it's natural. the stuff like in Maine. Right. It ain't that so, stuff in Maine. So let me read you the comments real quick, okay? So <laughs> people are getting fired up in the comments. Okay, so, so, <laughs> so Trey said, I was a big user as well. I needed help somehow. I know too many people that the only way they are getting help is getting put away at this point. 
when mm-hmm. you're addicted, addicted, you're not the same. You got to detox to be helped. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And Rome said, I agree, but Rome, we've been talking. I don't know what you <laughs> agree with what you, you got you to gotta help me out. <laughs> and then Trey said, let's be honest. Marijuana, marijuana is considered the gateway drug because it's the first thing someone is willing to try. If you're willing to try weed as a young person, you are more willing to try something else. It's the truth. The marijuana doesn't affect the likelihood though. If they want to get high, they're going to find a way. Agreed. Um, (laughs) Paige said, my son is hollering amen to that, Cherie. I don't know, amen to what? We can't, and and Rome said yes. Saying at the time when you say that stuff, because now I want to know, amen to what? Sharice wasn't talking about nothing you can say amen to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm saying that <laughs> And then Trey said, it's also a dangerous thing that is, it's considered a drug, even though it's just a plant. People will try weed and think other drugs will be similar. It's That's not- true. Wow. Good point. I'm proud of that. That's incredible. That. Rome Rose yeah. said, that's a fact. What's a fact, Rome? Damn it. Okay, Paige said you can buy both kinds as far as natural and GMO. This is a fact, but most dispensaries do sell enhanced or modified versions. It's just a product choice, but most don't know they can make that choice. So we did do some things like go into dispensaries and purchase them. So part of my job was to do a lot of different things, right? it was a ca- coalition on alcohol and drugs. And so we would do things like stings to see if stores were selling to minors, you know, alcohol. Right. Uh, we mm-hmm. would um, do studies on, along with SAMHSA, do studies on how much, you know, the alcohol content, like they had these little things that they were like a little light bulb, like a little ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see what the alcohol content of that little bit is compared, like, say, a beer. Right. right. Lots of different studies to see, like, if you were 120 pounds and you drank one beer, how long, how many would it take you to get drunk? Right. Well, they did some studies like things like if you smoked one joint, when do you become inebriated? Because we don't have a lot of that information. Are you under the influence of mer? If you, if you, if it is a, a altering chemical thing and you're smoking it and you become altered, then why are you driving? Is that not a DUI? Anything, mm-hmm. anything. Because it's driving what it is. influence, right? Right. So or driving says, while intoxicated, which is DWI. We have both here, right? We got right. DWIs and DUIs. So you know Trey said because it doesn't kill people like alcohol. Weed doesn't kill people like alcohol. I would agree with that. Um, so Paige well, said. So I think we go back to we don't have studies of people. Right. First of all, I don't know anybody in the 70s who smoked weed only all day. Today, I see kids who wake up vaping and smoking weed all day. We don't have studies to know what it affects is doing your brain, your lungs, your heart. We don't have those studies yet because I've not, mm-hmm. not been doing it for long enough. So for you to say it doesn't kill anybody, I would tell you probably not yet. Just wait because we yeah. just don't know what it's doing to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just like vaping. Everybody exactly. thought vaping was fine, and now, and now vaping, oh you know. my god! And then again, with the vaping pens and with the you know um, all the ingredients they put in, ingredients are not regulated. They could be anything. They found in busted companies where they put 
almost everything but decon rate rat poisoning in them right. you don't know what you're getting even though you're getting a pretty box and that you purchased from a store these are things purchased out of smoke shops right, right? okay so i'm going to read these few comments and then we're going to let caroline jump in so trey said uh, no i already read that one so Paige said make it legal because it keeps my kids off meds that will kill them later keep it legal because it works keep it out of big pharma hands and in the small business guys hands because big pharma <laughs> big pharma are poo poo heads <laughs> and then she said oh she he was talking about the fact that it is modified and different from different these days the weed that's what he was saying amen to uh Charisse. Right. um impaired is impaired i know people who shouldn't drive after caffeine <laughs> Trey said vaping and dabbing definitely has long-term effects. I imagine flour isn't killing anybody directly. Oh, he's saying the plant, the marijuana isn't killing anybody directly. Mm -hmm. Concentrates are when it does get dangerous for sure. People need to be careful with them, but they're so we'll very glorified as well. We'll let Caroline talk about that. I said one more thing about the plant. Because if you live in any places that where people are illegally growing the substance and you can see the damage of those chemical runoffs in the, into the forest, like here in Yosemite, it is a huge problem that we have. It is killing wildlife and nature. And so if you're growing it out there in your backyard, that's one thing, but then you're growing it illegally where you are devastating forest, wildlife, and our ecosystems, the plant is killing people because it is oh. really completely devastating our ecosystem. But it doesn't have to be that way. If it well, was legal and they weren't, I'm sorry, go ahead, Caroline. Well, I was just going to say, I think I think a lot of what you're talking about, too, are people who have taken the weed industry and they've turned it into a corporation, right? Because this is what happened. When they legalized weed, right, people have been growing weed for decades and decades and decades, right? Major operations, upstate California, Humboldt County, right? Like, they've been doing this, and they, they have it down to an art form. So then when weed was legalized, all of a sudden they had to get their gig legal, right? right. These are people who have been, they have heirloom seeds. They have, you know, this is an art right. form for them. This is a, a spiritual plant for them and they honor it as such. But again, same with big pharma. When you get right. people who come in and they're only concerned about money and they want to crank it out as cheap as possible and they don't give a shit about the ethics. They don't really give a shit about the product. They're just wanting to get something in consumers hands so they can get the money, right? That is where we fall into an issue with marijuana. I think typically I agree with what you were saying, Jamie. Um, I actually know a few people who have grow operations in our area and they supply all of the major dispensaries in the area. But again, I mean, and I guess this is why we need to look at what are our standards going to be for weed? Right. What are our regulations going to be for weed? Because at this point you have to go based off of do I know these people and do they care, right? And we don't have the wherewithal to go into any dispensary in any state and really actually know what we're getting. Right. Um, so I, I agree with that completely. But I think most of the issue is going to be not in the farmers, but in actually big corporation, right? Exactly. Um, and drug cartels, because drug cartels are the ones that are, are in Humboldt County. It ain't big pharma, it's drug cartels that throw people that they drag across the border and human traffic them to get out there and be living in the in the middle of Yosemite National Park somewhere where you can't see them amongst some trees, tearing mm -hmm. it up, right? Growing weed amongst 
the trees so you can't be found. Then when they mm -hmm. finally they do get seen and go in, man, if you ever go, go look at the devastation. You'd be, it's, it's heartbreaking. That's why it should be legal. If it was legal, that criminal element would be gone. Right. And that's what supplied that for so long, though, right? It's because it was illegal and because they were having to duck and dodge. And, and then, you know, they were upset again when the legalization happened is because they didn't have the funds to be legal or to get legal. And then there were people out there doing it cheaper, faster and better. So. So we have um, the same cycle. Marijuana is legal and you still have drug cartels tearing up the economy and the ecosystems, making it illegally. Yeah. Even though you made it legal. You didn't make it achievable. You didn't make it reachable. Only still some people can, can, can create big um, uh, conglomerates that you walk into. It's all lit up and beautiful and looking like, you know, some store to go buy your things or packaging or, you know what I'm saying? Not every person who wants to sell something and do something has those kind of funds to do that and the permits and the fees and you know right that's so why you created a, a very small niche of people who are able to then control and dominate the markets mm -hmm. right so trey said if they're using trash dangerous fertilizers they need to stop yeah. being dicks <laughs> they're making that <laughs> choice <laughs> they're making that choice not the plant that's yes. an issue but Not the plant is what has absorbed it. That's the problem. So if you use some junk fertilizers, and it is some mess out there. And some people, they don't even care about it if it's even a fertilizer. They will go use some antifreeze that's substitute. What he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying it's not the plant. It's the human. Yeah, but exactly. the plant absorbed it. So now the plant is just as dangerous is all I'm saying. Right. But, but she's saying the plant didn't do that. The human's yeah. dead. Right. <laughs> Right. When it comes right. to growth, guns don't right. kill people. Right. People, people kill people. I get it. Yeah. Right. So he said um, that's a human issue, not a weed issue. When it comes to growers' choices, um, Paige said glorified. Perfect word word for it. Um, <laughs> Trey said, "Bet let's legalize and put them out of business." Then that's yes, right. and I think it should be legalized across the country. Which, which uh, but that's how I feel about all drugs. That's how I feel about all drugs. So, so Jamie, let me ask you. Regardless, people are going to do it regardless of whether it's legal or that's illegal. And let me just say one thing. If you can, as an addict, putting cost aside, Caroline, because we talked about that. If you can, as a addict, get treatment through a federally funded program why is the drug not legal why is the drug not legal yeah i mean i think part of it is because you have to have some kind of condition right that's why people end up going to the er and they're like oh oh my back ah, you know right and then they're like oh well let me write a prescription for that right so you have to qualify and so that's the issue is most of the time people who want the drugs don't really actually qualify and then that's where we get into going and getting drugs on the street right but you know my thought is how would you feel jamie if you could literally go to walgreens and be like, yes, I'd like a gram of crack cocaine, please. And then can I also get two grams of heroin? And they're like, yes, ma'am, that'll be $80. Do you think that that would be okay? I would feel, I would be fine with that because I, when, 
they fill Percocets and they fill oxycodones and when they fill i i have the same you know i, I mean i was living i'm still living with chronic pain and mm -hmm. i had to wean myself because when they told me to go down to the methadone clinic because i had gotten to the point where no pain meds helped me anymore and mm -hmm. i would never forget sitting in that freaking waiting room and i saw people picking their face rocking back and forth i was like oh hell no i'm out of here fuck that i will just be in pain because that's mm -hmm. not going to be me that was just my the the whatever inside of me where i was like I, i'm just going to figure this out you know and I, I weed is what helped me weed is what mm -hmm. helped me with the calming of my nerves um because once my nerve in that leg started to misfire and my leg would straight out and cramp up at the same time because I have permanent nerve damage in that leg. And mm -hmm. I would just have to grit my teeth until it passed. But I could have been one of those people who just said, fuck it, okay. If it's gotta be methadone, if it's gotta be heroin, if it's gotta be whatever. But at some point, people are either going to get help or they're not. And I don't believe that making the drugs legal will define that. Mm. But I think the I think Caroline's point is when you got to the point where you realize, oh, I can marijuana will help my situation. What I didn't you know that. What I'm saying is that when you bought it and smoked it, what if you got arrested? Then that's a whole other cycle. You see what I'm saying? Most definitely. Yeah. Then uh, it become something even more, more could be more devastating, more different, and just even harsher, and could have led you right back to the thing that you were trying to get originally. Because now it's like you know, you know what I'm saying, like that cycle. Right, is, but that's my point. Legalize it all, legalize it all across the freaking board. Tax the hell out of it. Tax the hell out yeah, of it. I, I think legalizing is only a, a small piece of the problem. I go back. Marijuana well, is legal. It's not solving the problem. You've got- But it's not legal in a lot of places. It's not legal in a lot of places. No, it's not. But what I'm saying is that those places that it is legal, it still doesn't solve the problem. There's still a lot of loopholes in there. Right, still... but, it, but that's why I'm saying legalize all drugs because making marijuana legal in, let's say Massachusetts, right? right. And there's all these, you know, this right. and that, and you gotta have this and you gotta be this age and blah, blah, blah. So there are a lot of loopholes still um, but for me, what I'm saying is that's why to me, weed is just a totally different topic because it yeah. never should have been illegal in the first damn place. I agree. But, but, but then all of the man-made drugs that have come into it and like, uh, Cherie said, you know, the, the decon being put in it and they're cutting it with all kinds of crap, you know, glass I heard, um, that they were putting in it, um, and what was the other thing that was killing people? Um, fentanyl. Yes. Fentanyl. Oh. I have two friends who've died from fentanyl, and I myself was addicted to fentanyl at one point in my life, and it is the most deadly drug. I mean, half a piece of rice size wow. can kill you. Half a piece, and probably even less, depending on, you know, your tolerance and your makeup. Wow. Um, but incredibly wow. dangerous, and I had one of my best friends who... Um, it was using a drug that just happened to be laced with this drug, fentanyl, and 
there she's gone and you know she and, and I think so many people have that same story because and this is where I kind of lean to your side is because they don't actually know what they're getting they don't right. actually know what's in it right. and you have people who cut it trying to make it last longer putting all kinds of stuff in right. it that you would never put in your body right um and and then there's a life right you know so answer my question though I want to hear what you guys's answer is to that to me that um, I, it's just so hypocritical that the feds are going to fund treatment programs and you can apply for grants and you can apply for, you know, all of this help to pay for the treatment, but, but it's not legal. Well, I think, right, because they're kind of wanting to turn a blind eye and be like, yeah, yeah, you say that you're high on something right now, but we're going to help you and act like we don't know that you're high, so we'll kind of ignore that part of it. Um, I, I agree with that completely, and I actually think that we need to have even more funding available for treatment, which is Absolutely. maybe where some of these taxes could come from. Absolutely. Um, a lot of yeah. different types of treatment, too. Yeah. I, um, I'm yeah. not sure that it matters if something is legal or illegal whatever it took to get you where you got where you are you know what i mean if you mm -hmm. if you have if you are if you have an addiction addictive personality sometimes will transfer from one thing to the next to the next to the next so sometimes it may have maybe you started with illegal drugs and ended up with legal ones and then went to alcohol which is legal and then marijuana i don't know but if you are reaching out for help because you know your life isn't right the way it is, it wouldn't matter to me what substance you were using or what that addiction is. Because honestly, it could be sex addiction. It could be, you know, porno addiction. There's lots of things out there that people need help and treatment with. Um, and I, I think it just would not matter to me what, long as you were getting the help and treatment to get your life right, the world it would be saying, a I'm not saying place. they don't deserve it or that they they shouldn't ask for help what I'm saying is if they if the help is there then they should be responsible for how the government should help in any way they can and, and that's another thing too because we don't always know how you how you, what path you went down to get right. there some people right. could have mm -hmm. been completely recreational kids Hey, you know what? Do you remember the days of the farm parties? Remember those days? Yeah. Farm parties. How many people today are living in a really bad place because they started with some kids who went to their parents' medicine cabinets and threw them in a bowl and was doing, you know, the skittles and the riddles and the all this stuff. Like today, vape pens—they push that stuff on kids yeah. like it was no big deal. Any kid walking around 10, 12, 14, 16 vaping. It's not right. Yeah. What problems are they going to have to deal with? Right. Those kids walk around like they got PTSD now doing vaping. Right. You know, so I think it may not always have come from the source of the government or the medications or the prescriptions. It may have come through other ways. Um, we just don't know. So to me, if we have to qualify how you got here, that makes it a little harder on how to get you. We have that problem now. Right, right. now, today, the problem that you have with addiction is you can't get into a treatment facility unless you're paying $10,000 or $20,000 a month. Right. We talked about that last time. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's why I said that part of it, if we taxed it and, you know, it's because think about all the, um, I wish I had that article. 
um, that talked about um, the bonuses that the CEOs of all of the big pharma corporations got at the end of 2019. Right. Well, and, and here's a reality. Some of it is not necessarily on drugs that make you addictive. A lot of it is also on life-saving drugs like insulin. Right, um, but but if your salary one when you have uh, allergy, yeah, uh, EpiPen. I have a friend whose daughter is allergic to almost. I mean, the girl yeah. is almost allergic to air. I swear. Yeah. Like I don't know what she ain't allergic to. I, I just, I'm not kidding you. She's like yeah. a million allergies. So she has two EpiPens in her backpack at all times when she's ten years old, and. Mm -hmm. I could not believe those EpiPens are $500 each. This uh -huh. woman is a single parent with four kids. She can have $500 for, and that girl walks home with two EpiPens and they, they expire. So you gotta keep replacing them. That was, I said, this is, who could do that? That's so crazy because. That's a life, there is no way that anything that is a life saving drug should cost you a dime, mm -hmm. period. I have a friend who almost died because she could not get insulin. You yeah, know, I, I almost died because I couldn't get my asthma medication. Right. It just you know? it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, but what I'm saying, if you're, but what I'm saying is, if your salary is a million and a half, two and a half million, there's no reason for you to get a ten million dollar bonus at the end of the year when your company is charging five hundred dollars of an EpiPen. So There's yeah. no reason for that at all. And to me, if you are that person and you lay your head down at night and have no regrets, you are the lowest type of person. So mm -hmm. if we legalize all of this stuff that we're talking about, then there is plenty of money left over for treatment centers, for um shit limo rides from the airport to the damn treatment center whatever you know what i'm saying there's plenty of money if this well if you ever regulated and legalized not by big government either because they're gonna figure out how to make you know their money on it so i i don't know the answer to that but what i'm if saying you ever, if you ever watch the interview of the lady who was testifying about the EpiPen situation. Remember, they, they actually had to go in front of Congress and testify. Listen to her rationale about why she gets paid all that money and why they charge those prices for EpiPen. Listen to her rationale. It, it, and believe it or not, the problem that we have is you can say anything and somebody can spin it the other way to make it justifiable. You know what I'm saying? And her yeah. justifications were, a lot of people would agree with her justifications. And that's part of the other problem. Some people don't believe that anything should be given to you for free. It's socialism. Right. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. You should earn it. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. And I think when it comes to, I mean, you guys really covered it. Like, I'm just here like, yes, yes. Because, I mean, that's, what it, that's really what it is, is um, that medications are so expensive to the people who need them. And they put people in a powerless position so that they have to get that medication, right? And that's why they charge so much. It reminds me of um, going to college, right? 
when I was in college, they would have these textbooks that would be like special University of Central Oklahoma edition textbook of some freaking textbook that I can get for $40 somewhere else. But no, I have to have the special UCO edition. And guess what? That one's $450, right? right. And it's a monopoly. It's a monopoly. You know, and, and it's the same way with EpiPens. How many different makers of EpiPens are there? Are there different pricing? Is, there, is it on a sliding scale? No, right? right? It is a monopoly. Yeah, in Big Pharma, I mean, we all know they have lobbyists up there schmoozing politicians. They're getting bills passed through to make it make it easier for them to do their jobs and get their money. Right. Um, but it, it's not for the, you know, benefit of the public, obviously. Right. Right. And the reality is that there's no way that someone's going to have life-saving drugs given to them for free unless somebody's going to compensate them because at the end of the day, there's still a private industry and we can't make somebody give somebody something that they make and that they charge for. So this is where government right. has to step in and be able to cover those costs. My mother-in-law is one of those people. She has almost $800 a month in medical. Um, uh, she, she did poor child. She knows she got everything known to man is broken on her at one time and need to be fixed. But she is a senior citizen. She is on a fixed income. She can't $800 a month alone every month in medications is her out-of-pocket cost. That's crazy. Thank God she has children who could afford to help her and compensate her for those things. It just, I can't imagine mm -hmm. if, if she was somebody else's parents and they couldn't afford it. What would happen? The same thing that happens all over the country every single day. They go without. And then at that moment when they really need it and they run out, they die. Mm -hmm. It's unreal. So what if... What if we could, let's just say, because, you know, you guys know I'm a super, like, solution-oriented person, right? I want to think of the solutions to something like this. So what if we were to put a cap on how much they could charge, for, how much their profit margin could be, Absolutely. right? So if you, if you make a product for 10 cents, right, it takes 10 cents to make that EpiPen, you can't charge more than... 400% of how much it costs to make. Or are you shaking your head no, Sharice? No, because you, we have to be realistic and we're going to find a solution. So Caroline, would, you, would it be fair for me to say to you, okay, Caroline, you can do a therapy session, but you can't charge more than $100 per person. You can tell me mm -hmm. no. You don't get to tell me what I can charge. This is my product that I made, and I will charge whatever the market bears for to buy it. Now, if you want it, you figure out how to buy it, because that is free enterprise. So we mm -hmm. don't get to tell companies, because if we, I mean, and I don't like it, but I'm playing that aside for you, because the reality is that if we don't want companies to tell us what to do, we have to live with that. We cannot tell companies what they can and cannot do with their products. The government can come up with a system where they can buy it, and which is how we got into the Medi-Cal problem, right? Because Medi-Cal took so long with the billing, the doctors would tell you that they billed double because by the time they would get their payments, or triple, by the time they get their payments, that's what the cost would be because it took so long. So why not streamline the system and get them paid faster to continue to bring the cost down? It doesn't work that way. They're going to charge whatever the market bears, and unfortunately, that is capitalism. And we live in and a I, 
I just don't agree with that when it comes to life-saving medication. And, I and I'm, I'm not saying that I disagree with you. No, I, mean, I know what you're doing. I know. I'm saying we right, live in a, well, let me you're playing devil's advocate. Yeah, let yeah. Me which I think it's important, too, and I agree with you 100%. Go ahead, Jamie. Okay, so um, Paige said, pain makes you desperate, physical, mental, spiritual. Yep. We yep. are designed to seek balance, yep. legal means or not. So take away the challenge and meet the need. Mm -hmm. And then Paige said, it's bullshit. What's bullshit? Age? Okay. Paige said, but I do think at this point, hypocrisy or none, we need the help to be more available. We can see the bullshit, but still see the value. Completely agree. Right. Um, Paige said, the, net, the textbook story is so on point. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Okay. That's funny. Um, then she said, price gouging is illegal in crisis. Why doesn't that apply to Big Pharma as much as it applies to the mom and pop store and around it the does, corner? Because they are in crisis. Those people who need that medication is in crisis, right? right? So could we not say this person who has diabetes, this person who has allergies, that is a crisis life or death situation for them, and then put a cap on how much that they could charge. Right, them. call it what it is, price gouging. Now it's illegal. So the the um, conspiracies happen. Martha Stewart went to jail because she conspired on Wall Street, right? right? Well, Big Pharma got in trouble when they did the same thing with the EpiPen. So you can't talk to your neighbor and say, hey, I make um, insulin and you make insulin, so we're going to make sure we never, I'm going to charge this much and you charge that much so we can keep going up and up and up and up. You can't yep. do that. You cannot do that, which is why the EpiPen people got into trouble. So it does happen where certain things are not legal, but you can't tell me what the market can bear and tell me what I can and cannot charge. This is why we have to have a system that is more balanced. If the EpiPen is something that is absolutely, absolutely needed, then that is when you open up. This is where we had AT&T and all of the um, communications companies um, open up, right? This is what we call mm -hmm. Regulation. When we deregulate something, then other people are open into the market. The more people in a market helps drive that consumer cost down, and then exactly. it wouldn't be that price. But we only got one or two manufacturers. Now here's the problem: if they yeah. got patents, it could be twenty or thirty years before those patents become available, where other people can then come into the market. So to exactly. me, it would be more like. This is why it's important for us to, to get back to being the nation's number one education center. I know I'm going to be going to go a little left, but just follow me here. When we do things inside of universities and under the name of education, those things get to be put back into the public sphere and they're not able to be profitized. So if universities and institutions um, and organizations are creating those life-saving drugs. Right now, our education system sucks. You know, we really need to get back to, you know, getting our children so the next generations become lab, you know, people and we're finding those cures here. When organizations are doing it and when universities are doing it, then those things go into the public space and they're not being controlled by a private sector business. And that is how we, that's how we did things like penicillin was, was um, when penicillin was discovered or the polio these things were done by doctors and labs and universities bless you bless you, bless you. <laughs> education is really going to be a part of the solution 
when we are having people in this country that are the ones who are finding those things and not doing it, they're not being hired by big business, but they're working for universities yeah. and institutions and government institutions, that is gonna be, right now, they've got four different labs that are working on the vaccine, vaccine for Corona. First of all, I ain't taking none of that. But second of all, can you imagine what it's gonna cost? They had already came out, this is what they said. They came out and said, we promise not to charge uh, a person for the vaccination if they can't afford it. Why would you come out and say that you ain't even found the vaccination yet? So why would you argue right. that you're gonna promise me? No, I'm not believing that. <laughs> That's gonna be worse than, no. Let, let's just, that, that we're already on the wrong track. If an institution or a university or a government lab was in charge of it wasn't was the ones to find those viruses, it'd be back in the public sphere and we wouldn't have these problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's that Education is definitely of our solution. Um, on the right track. Um, but even institutions, educational institutions have hierarchies. Um, and if they're a private institution especially, um, then you know that that gets sticky. Um, but what I'm saying is that once they discover a drug, it is not able to be profit. You can't, you're not going to, it's not a profit center like um, a big pharma. See what I'm saying? Because you, I can't, I can cap if an institution or a government agency or university or lab discovers a drug, I can cap the price of those things. So see what I'm saying? And then I can farm it out to different organizations to be able to make it and then be able to put it just like how we do with polio. They produce right. that stuff and it was free. Just right, like but what I'm saying is they could easily sell it. They could easily sell it to a big pharma, a private yes. institution. But there are some legalities about how it's done. So what, it doesn't I become know. the problem like insulin or, or um, the EpiPen. You know what I mean? Oh, I just know because it works for an uh, a, a private. Well, and I'm not saying they don't have the hierarchies and stuff. I'm just saying that it doesn't go down the same route um, as quickly or it is able to do to be mass produced in a way right. that it's able to be spread around the world a lot faster. Right, right. Without right. Any cost. And people don't have to lose their lives to get it. Right. Yeah. I mean when I was um when I had that tumor in my leg, um, it took me all, over a month to find someone. My allergies, y'all, they just hit me like a ton of bricks like five minutes ago. They, I was feeling great, and now it's like, yeah, I'm going to get your sinuses. I know, me too. Sharice uh, and I were talking about it earlier. We were like, look at the bags under our eyes because of our damn allergies. Oh, my face oh, feels like I've got a pack of cotton balls just like all shoved in <laughs> under my everything. That's Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Sharice. But when I had that tumor in my leg, and um it, you know six pounds it was six pounds and, wow. and and it took me over a month that's crazy to find a surgeon that would would take it out because i had no insurance i went to massachusetts right. to two different hospitals i had mm -hmm. i was going all over the place asking them and nobody would 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 do the surgery because i didn't have insurance and because it was wrapped around my sciatic nerve Everybody knew that they were going to nick the nerve and have, you know, permanent nerve damage. So they were like, we don't, you know, oh no, we're not going to do that. So literally it took me over a month to find someone to do it. And then they had to fillet me open. They were supposed to just do one cut up my leg 
it ended up being a Y incision where they had to uh -huh. literally open up my entire thigh to get yeah. that freaking thing out. And I was discharged in four hours. Yeah. They well, you know, thank God they didn't cut another part of you off and sell it. Because, you know. The pocket that, that it left was so big that they had to put a drain inside it so so that you know and then i got a staph infection and ended up back oh in the my god and then and, and it was horrible it was it was one of the worst experiences of my life and i still have permanent nerve damage in that leg to this day and that was nine ten years not eight this nine, is why medical coverage is so important so all those people who are not for you know medical for all or whatever you want to call it it is important it is important that people have medical coverage we have a hospital here in my city and it almost went under because people started you know as the droves moved into the city um people would start using the er like it was their doctor's office yeah it just started becoming the cost just skyrocketed and they're like we're gonna have to file bankruptcy and close the one hospital well today we have four hospitals now because we you turned that whole system around, did it completely differently. But, you know, they put in a, a clinic and started letting people go to the clinic instead of having to go to the ER. So you bring that cost down, it's just ridiculous. Medical in this country needs to be fixed. It needs to be oh, fixed. Oh, so much. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's Absolutely. why I think that um, medical coverage should include um, rehab facilities. Which mm -hmm. it does in some cases, but it should 100% always no matter what right it'll, it'll cover like so many days it'll cover so many days you can stay there it'll co cover up to a certain dollar amount and usually we know that's no, not that's enough that's not enough time yeah so Paige, Paige said as long as money is the priority we are going to have these same issues yeah. making education think, yeah. top priority as a national yeah. reputation of reputation culture would completely change this dynamic I'm thinking of the same Norwegian countries that I may disagree with on a few drug policies here. They do have less of these issues because culturally, education is key, in my opinion. And then she said, four hours, what the hell? <laughs> um, so I went to Canada and went to one of those facilities like you were talking about that they have in Amsterdam or Netherlands or something. And um, where you go in and there's a nurse that administers you clean needles. They give you a room, give you your time, and they bring you back out. Part of the cycle is not where it is just like, hey, I'm going to just go get high and go get high forever over here. They actually administer the heroin or whatever drug of your choice is. Part of that cycle, though, is a cycle. You're coming in as a Band-Aid. You are cycled through a rehabilitation process. Oh. So that we're not just out there infinitely getting high all the time. Huh. Um, watch where the, I went to a workshop or training where they talked about why the crime rates are so low. And it is a lot to do with how they want to have a very good medical program so that people get medical attention when they need it. Because um, a lot of times that's part of the culture with the issue with crime is because you can't get something you need, food, health, right? So, right. and also to getting you into rehabilitation addiction centers and then the prevention piece. We don't deal with enough of prevention here, right? Prevention is a pound of cure, right? Ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Right. Here we pay for prevention. 
yeah. for years where medical coverages wouldn't even cover you to go to the doctor before you were sick, right? Now yeah. we're getting into understanding that prevention. We can still be very profitable and still get into prevention. Um, it's just we find profit in other ways. Like, for example, if we were to open up rehabilitation, we'd have a plethora of rehab centers, right? Right. And, and then we would have you know, all types. So it's not one size fits all. Everybody right. knows 12 steps or seven days of right. AA or NA. You know, like, that's it? That's all y'all got? <laughs> and it kills me, too, because when I look at all of the beautiful potential in those people who come out of addiction and they have this, you know, newfound gratitude for life and the possibilities and all of that. When I think of that as being something that we as, as a culture would uplift instead of looking down on them saying, oh, you just got a rehab, you know, got out of rehab, how long before you, you know, relapse or whatever, you know what I yep. mean? Instead of looking at them like that, um, you know, I mean, it's, I just feel like I, I, there's, there's no, a lot of work that needs to be done. Just oh, not, yeah. not just around the stigmas, because the same as if you went to jail, right? Oh, you went to jail. Right. All of that. Life. All right? of that. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you flunked the fourth grade. You got flunked on fourth grade. Right. right. All you know, of that. That judgment shit. Right. That judgment shit. All right. So we only got four minutes left. So um, I wish we had spent more time. I know we were, I knew we were going to get all wrapped up in conversation, but <laughs> I wish we had spent more time on what Caroline was saying. It's like solutions, things that we can do. Um, what I do, and, I, and I'm not kidding, people, it drives me crazy when people are in my passenger seat and I give somebody money and they're like, the first thing out of their mouth and my honey is the oh. best for it is, is oh you know that it's gonna go around the corner and and shoot up or buy some right. alcohol or whatever and i said and maybe they'll right. want they'll get a hamburger because they're hungry or maybe they're gonna go buy some dog food because their dog that they're homeless with is hungry you never know and it's not up to me to judge my gift i gave them that gift and what he does he or she does with that gift is between him and god i don't have nothing to do with me so I give it to them and I, God bless. And I go on about my way. I'm not stuck in what are they going to do with my hard earned money? You know, well then don't give it. Don't give it. So we have a thing here in our city and there's several cities over. You guys might have it where you are too now. And I don't know the outcomes. I'm going to have to talk to some city council people and start to see what the effects were. But um, in order to kind of cut down on the panhandling, they have signs up to now say, um, please don't give money to people give money to, this, to the nonprofit organizations that provide the solutions. Yeah. Because that really is where it needs to go, right? Yeah, so. fuck that. I don't know none of them organizations. And every time I turn around, I hear about some organization embezzled, whatever, blah, blah, blah. No. And that could very well be the case. I know a lot of those organizations, like right now, I know a lady who is probably feeding over a thousand people, homeless people right now as we speak. So I do know a lot of them. A lot of them actually do do the work that is that is needed. I know when the fires happen, I know a guy who came in and bought his yurts and built yurts for people who did not have homes anymore. So yeah, they can go back course. to the land that they had and be able to live on. So there, there is a lot of that. There's always going to be some, right. um, some thing going on that somebody should not be doing in everything that we do. Right. right? 
So you give how your heart leads you. People doing it. Absolutely. You give how your heart leads you to. And that's how my heart leads me to give. And I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that this is something that they started here, and I don't know the outcome. Yeah, they do it here. Of what? Of what? I don't see nearly as much panhandling anymore, but I know she's feeding a thousand people every week. So yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, maybe it depends on the organizations that are there on the ground in those cities. But I know that is a part of the solution: is having those options for people to go to to have resources. If you need food. I can't buy you food every time I go in and out of Safeway or Raylands or wherever stores I shop out of. But a food pantry can definitely provide you with the necessary complete packages that you need. And we really need to start thinking that way than just the individual way. Caroline? So I'll tell you guys real quick because I know we're almost out of time. But there is an organization in my city that I absolutely love. And I found out about it maybe about six years ago. Um, I was at the library and I was in the magazine section and I saw there's this magazine um, called Curbside and it was the homeless people's magazine. And so I started looking at it and I'm like, what is this? This is so interesting. And it had um, interviews with homeless people in it and it had really interesting mental health articles. I mean, like really, really interesting. Yeah. And so um, then I started noticing that I would see these people out with these aprons and they'd be selling magazines and it was homeless people, right? And so Curbside is an organization that created this magazine for homeless people to sell, and they keep the income, right? And so, and they offer them all other kinds of social services too. They help them get into apartments, they help them with food, they help them with all of that, but they use that income as a way to um, get back on their feet. And so I think that if we can be more creative, instead of just using them as a judgment, like, Oh, they're going to go get drunk. Oh, I see this guy out here every day. I don't want to give him my money. Um, You know, but I get that too, because then we're in the position of having to judge, having to decipher, or having to give everything or whatever, right? So there's like all of this uh, mental and emotional clutter. But if we can get interested interested in providing creative ways for them to create uh, wealth in their lives, right? I always said, and you guys know, um, I started at the bottom. Right? I was literally homeless at one point in my life. And it's hard to make something from nothing. Right. And you got nothing. Yes. And I'm talking nothing. Right. It's hard to make something from nothing. Because guess what? You go get a job. Well, now you're going to need the $60 black shoes to wear with your dress pants. Right. right? Oh, guess what? You don't have dress pants. Then you're going to need another however much money for that. And then guess what? The job actually doesn't pay for three weeks out. Yes. So now you're going to have to go to all that. Right. It's hard to make something from nothing. So we got to figure out that solution. Yep. And I think, again, it goes back to those nonprofits that fill that gap. Nonprofits are the best thing in our communities because they bridge the gap between private industry and the federal government. And, and if we find ones that do it right, Goodwill, I got issues with them, but for the most part, overall, they have a good model, right? They take people who come from certain situations, they train them to be able to be rehabilitated, to go to work and then provide them with jobs. So whether you work like the organization or not, the model is a good model same model that you're talking about with the care, the curb up or whatever magazine. We mm-hmm. need to be able to start to make sure that nonprofits are getting the resources and the funding that they need so that they can truly bridge the gap. And that will be a big game changer because there are lots of nonprofits out there that could probably provide medications and, you know, doses of medications for people 
when they don't have it, right? Insulin depends yeah. and other things, you know, whatever. Um, I'm sure there's so, somebody with a passion to do that out there that could create it if we make sure we continue to support them. Okay, so I'm going to read these few comments that Paige put, put up and then we're going to close it out. Um, Paige said, I know people on disability just to make sure politics don't affect their ability to get their, whoa, where did it happen? Where did it go? Where did it go? Sorry. Um, she keeps typing and it keeps moving. Um, to be clear, they are legally disabled, but mm -hmm. could maybe find some way to make side cash on their own yeah. and within their health limit but can't risk the government messing with their health care. Right? A lot of dis um, disability doesn't mean you can't. There are lots of disabilities that still allow you to make money and still have income. A certain amount, yeah. A very Maybe. little amount. So okay, she said, it's a sad state that we live in a country in which for most of us, we have to game the system to get basic care as, as needed regarding health, true. mental, legal, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And she said, or afford it, Stop typing page <laughs> or right. at the level that they might need. Um, Austin has a paper like this written and produced by the homeless. SA does not, as far as I know, but I love this. Oh, San Antonio. Okay. Um, Paige said, I love you ladies. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Oh, thank you. Us, Paige. You gotta, <laughs> we like you. Come back. Um, yes. Yes. Paige is awesome. She was my um, original uh, coach when I started my business. Um, oh, okay. So takeaways for me are, we, I love Caroline's suggestion about finding um, interesting ways to, yes. you know, um, mm -hmm. formulas, you know, ways to, to, to be helpful. I really like that. How about you guys? No, I think that I, 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 I'm, so my takeaway is the same as before, which is um, stigmatizing something doesn't help. Finding, oh, help right. find, bringing, if you can't, if you don't have it, find it. Bringing in community organizations that can bridge the gap. And then giving treatment and addiction centers, we need to figure out a way to open that up and make that available to everybody. Um, as well as not allowing big pharma to be the only ones to produce the medications that we need to have and legalizing and decriminalizing everything should happen, period, right? You go into a bar, you, buy, you pump up buying alcohol, you go to a bar, you cute if you buy a martini, you know, so we should, it should be looked at the same way. Um, if you need medications or you take pills, we shouldn't need to be, you know, uh, looking at that down. But not the one encourage it, but we want to make sure that we don't criminalize it so that people have an opportunity to bounce back and still have fruitful lives. That's my right. point. Amen. I agree completely because I think one of the biggest issues that we're seeing is that when there is so much shame and stigma around drugs, you have someone who goes to prison for it, they're going to feel shameful and stigmatized while they're sitting there in prison, going through more trauma, and then guess what, when they get out, what has been their mechanism to cope and deal with stress? Um, and I actually feel like stress and trauma is probably uh, one of the underlying issues that I feel like should be addressed if they were to legalize, right? Um, use that tax money to help create better 
uh, less stressful environments for people, yep. happier jobs, more job accessibility, right? Like there's all different kinds of things that play into addiction. Um, so maybe that's something that we could explore during another yeah, during no, another I, week. Something I left off was, it is absolutely mind boggling to me, the number of homeless veterans we have in this country cannot yeah. believe that somebody okay. So that's, that's a topic, homeless mm -hmm. veterans. Say that again, Caroline. Oh, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe no, no, Caroline. Oh. Homeless veterans is another topic. What was the one that you just said? Oh, what did I just say? Now I was thinking about the homeless veterans. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking about how to uh, create less stressful and traumatizing environments so people will not feel pressurized to turn to addiction as a coping mechanism. Yes, yeah. okay. Because um, I, have, I have a... Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in another one. Um, but those are two topics that I love right there um, yes. and ways that we can can make a difference um, in, in coming up with solutions um, for those two topics. I love that. All right, ladies. It's just always such a pleasure. It has been so much fun. <laughs> that, was, that was a good conversation. I love that. And guess that what? I did not have to mute Sharice one time tonight. Not one time. You not didn't one even time. I was busy fighting her to, to mute her. I almost got muted, though. Almost. Oh, I'm a, oh. Oh. <laughs> no. But this almost. is my wheelhouse. I did this job for 10 years. This is my wheelhouse. I know. You know, it's funny. Oh my God. I'm not even gonna <laughs> go there again. Woosa. All right. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Bye guys. Bye guys.